What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss, and you're listening to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can keep growing and help more people. Thank you. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I am joined by Sharon Koifman. Sharon is the founder and president of Distant Job, a remote recruiting agency. With nearly two decades of experience running three companies and doing so 100% from his computer, Sharon has studied and researched not only how to operate remote businesses, but how to create a fantastic work culture, one where people love to come to work. He also wrote a book on remote work, which is released today. The day we're actually recording the podcast, uh, November 17th, the book is titled Surviving Remote Work. Sharon, congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited. I'm still kind of blown away that I wrote a book. I, 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 I don't know how that happened. You know, you, you start writing a, a little blog. Uh, I start writing a few pages and more pages and more pages. And next thing you know, I have like 70 pages. And I'm going, oh my God, this is a book. This is coming. It's, re- it's the real deal. And next thing you know, a few months later, it's a full-fledged book. Well, congratulations. What an accomplishment. Um, it sounds like from the conversation right before we came on the air here, uh, it kind of blew your friends away. Like they thought maybe you wrote like a little manual or a little process guide. People still don't believe I, I still have conversations with, with people, with my friends, with people I meet on the street that they know me very well. And it's like, it's like, um, you wrote a book, like really? not not a not a guide not a not an ebook like a book is like yeah like and and they're not it's like how does that happen right how does that happen when you run a business or you're a doctor because i i remember specifically there was uh, a lady who was a doctor brilliant doctor and she's like saying i would love to write a book how do you do that <laughs> And it's like, it just happens. It just, it just flew everything from my brain. I guess 20 years of experience doing this made it very easy. Yeah. We are an incredible guy. And I tell you what, the topic today, remote learning, creating high performing, amazing remote work, work cultures, how we equip our people for remote work, how we take care of their mental health, how we deliver the highest level of results. Right now, as we talk today, your book, Surviving Remote, remote Work, has, has come out. It's mm-hmm. official, uh, and it's at a time where in Illinois, in Dixon, Illinois, 90 miles due west of Chicago, the entire state has just been scaled back to tier three remediations, which means, you know, the governor has decided that more needs to close, more needs to shut down, there'll be more remote work. This is an area that a lot of people struggled with, and then there's people getting it right. And so today, we're going to hear, how do you get it right? And how do you not sacrifice your culture? How do you not... How do you create that environment still where people thrive and feel connected and are doing purposeful, meaningful work? And, and how do they do it during these tough times where there's so much fear, doubt, and uncertainty? And how do we keep their, their mental health um, at, at very high levels, at very healthy levels? So uh, I'm so excited to dig into this. So, Sharon, I got to ask you, how, how'd you get into this? You've been doing this for two decades. Tell, tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us a little bit about your story. 
So I ran a web hosting and web design or outsourcing company about 18 years ago. I, I, saw, I saw the opportunity there. In the beginning, it was all about cheap. It was all about the idea is that when you go to India, India, of course, being the first big market of the outsourcing world, you're getting yourself some really cheap people and somewhat qualified people to, to do to do technology job, whether programming, web design, etc. And I was a I was kind of a mom and pop shop. I was not not a mom or a pop, but I was a I was a small guy giving solutions for people who needed some cheap design and web hosting, which we grew quite a lot. We grew up to three thousand clients, and and all that was served from India. And I had about thirty employees there within two offices. And the most surprising thing that happened is suddenly software companies and tech and web design companies were coming to me to do design for them just because it was cheap. I understand if you're a real estate company and you need a web design, I was the perfect solution. If you're a store and you needed something, it, that was great. But uh, IT company, their bread and butter was being outsourced to me because they were trying to maximize their profit. And Without outsourcing, I, I admit I have to admit uh, it, it's hard to me. It was hard for me to admit at the time, but looking back, it's like I was not the right solution. You have built a culture, you build processes. People paid you money for doing something based on your methodologies, and then you just give it to somebody else. And that somebody else you commu- I, I think I did a decent job communicating, but they didn't communicate with the designers, the programmers. They didn't qualify. They just Receive products, products from me, and was for me was, I looked at it and it was what a disaster. It, it was hard for me to say no for the business for that business, but it made no sense. And when I sold the, that company, I realized that all these people wanted to do is take advantage of the big pool of talent that across the world and the affordable people. So I, I decided that that we need to focus on just finding people that will work by those companies' processes and culture and just have career-driven people that want to integrate. And that's how I started this recruitment agency. Instead of taking on projects, I, I focused on people. And that's where we are today. That's awesome. Talk a little bit about where you're positioned today because you're, you're coming to us today live from, from Canada, right? Montreal, yes. Montreal. And, and, and where is your company grown to now from where you began? Where is the company grown? In, in what way? Well, as far as the people you serve, because you're serving people, you know, all over, you know, uh, North America for sure. Where does that reach go to? So we're very focused on North America. We stay in North America. We, we hire from 25 different countries, but it's North America, a little UK, um, some Germany, Netherlands, but really the business is the United States and Canada, 95%. So in our conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that we're going to see and continue to see a big shift in people kind of demanding to be able to at least work remotely part of the time. Do you want to talk about the shift and that pattern and, 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 and is where we see this going? Look, the market that I specialize in 
is in technology. I mean, it could perfectly be replicated to other markets like accountants. Accountants are the perfect target for remote work. I, I don't understand why is there accountants in office at all? <laughs> There's no reason anymore, but I specialize in technology. And at least, at least a third, I don't have the research, so this is an interpretation, but at least a third of what I've seen of the programmers out there, their dream is to be at home. So now you they you you send these people. Maybe for some people they they they're not happy with that and they don't enjoy it. But for for the good amount of people that love it, they don't want to go back. And if you're going to force them to go back, um, they will search for another job, right? Because this is one benefit that you can't. Um, replaced with money. I mean, all the so many benefits out there, like medical or um, paid days off or uh, free food in the cafeteria. All those things can be bought with money. I, I mean, you, you pay me higher, I'll pay the health insurance. Pay me either, I'll go to Starbucks and buy, buy food. Pay me better, and you don't need to pay for my vacation. Just pay me better and call it non-paid vacation. But you can't replace working from home with money. This is a benefit that is not like none other. Being and being able to work in your most optimal working environment, being able to be with your family, get to see uh, get to see your kids, um, have more hours because you're not wasting time traveling. It is a massive benefit, and if your company is not figuring out how to be a little more flexible, they will be in trouble, especially in the technology industry. No, 100%. We're seeing that across many sectors and industries. You know, even, you know, I'm the city manager of Dixon, Illinois. We're about 90 miles due west of Chicago. And, and we've seen that with, with COVID and people being able to work remotely and continue to work remotely. The discovery that, wow, I can get six hours of work done in two hours right? The protectivity mm -hmm. really goes up because there's so many distractions and, and, and things that take us from what our main focus is throughout the day. So, so Sharon, you are an expert in the remote working space. Yes. And so as, well, well, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing <laughs> what you've done here, right? So for our listeners, for leaders listening to this podcast across many different, many different professions, all right, what are some of the critical components as they transition with remote working? So the transition, if, you, if you're making the big jump, the big move, um, the transition itself is quite simple. You just need to think about a few basic things. First of all, you want the communication uh, with all, uh, communication with people to be as fluid as possible. I mean, really, what you're trying to do is replicate some of the positive aspects of the office. Keyword: the positive aspects. You don't want to replicate all the distractions and all the silly meeting and all all the bad stuff. But there's something to say about if your management process has been successful in going to each cubicle or each office and asking the employee how they're doing, motivate them, check their work, fix their, fix their errors, being a great manager, a great empowering manager, um, you should be replicating that experience very easily. 
in a remote environment. The only thing you're missing is a little bit of technology. So you make sure that all your employees have quality internet. That means two nudges over what um, the, the what internet that seems to be working. So if your if your employee works works with a uh, internet company on a, a 20 Mbps and they're happy because they get to watch their their the Netflix and everything, you spend another 20 of your own pocket or 30 bucks and and get a, a nudge higher. Um, make sure that you have quality. Uh, quality headsets the quality headset is not the musical headset that are that are out there so, so it's not a bose or although the really really high-end bose right now are getting better but it's not the sony and the bose it's actually the ones that have a microphone so it's the jabra and the platronic that that really um i currently using jabra evolved 75 um, but you, you don't need to spend that much money because the, the, Jabra, the, the other Jabra involves that are connected to the computer, which are great, right? They actually work better when they're not wireless. I like to walk around. I really like to act, you know, like I think when I walk and I move, so I need the Bluetooth. But if you don't, the Connect ones, the headsets are great and they cost like 50 bucks. So internet, proper webcam, proper uh, uh, if if the quality of the internet is not good, get a mesh network. All those are small investments to make sure that this experience that we're having right now is a fluid experience. It's, it's small investments, but it is incredibly annoying and, and will discourage you from checking on your employees if every time there's massive latency and scratching noise and all bunch of annoyance out there, especially if you need to deal with a lot of people. So that is the first step of moving from the remote to from the remote to uh, from the physical to the remote now once you take care of all this basic stuff and you remember to replicate the successful processes that were in the office there's one significant difference that you do need to pay attention to is mental health why mental health because this is where this is the major difference, this is what I was just discussing with somebody today. It's also a major difference in um, with uh, high school kids, right? That they, they are not less productive in their education at home, but they're losing that social experience and they're losing, um, and, and, they, and, they lo and some of them disappearing too. Some of them are happy. I'm at home, I'm flexible, I do whatever I want. Not as much the students, but adults for sure love their remote experience, but some disappear to remote la-la land and they get depressed and they lose their social experience. And you as a boss or as a manager have to invest heavily in making sure that they're still in a healthy mental state. So how do you do that, Sharon? How do you how do you make sure so you have people that are remote, they're, they're distant, they're they're not, you know, when I walk in the door to City Hall, I walk past our city hall team at the front desk, say hi, good morning. There's interaction that happens there. I come up the stairs, say hi to the city clerk, walk back through, say hi to our marketing director, our finance director, our assistant city manager. And then there's interactions and stuff through the day. But when I work from home, I, I wake up, maybe I shower, maybe I don't um, definitely shower, right? Um, come out and start working wherever at my house, at my desk, at my chair, at my dining room table. Whatever. So how do, you, 
what are some strategies, strategies to intentionally take care of people from a mental health side in this kind of environment? So in my book, I actually discussed the, the worker side and the manager side. But at the end of the day, I think it's a major focus on the management because the management is responsible to, to make sure that things are not different. I, I mean, if the management sucks, and it often is, you do what you can, and hopefully one of your employees uh, step up to the plate and 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 gets it right. But um, in general, it's the manager that needs to check on the people and educate them. So first of all, what a manager needs to do, and what a manager should be doing in an office environment, but often does not. This is this is actually what happens a lot with this transition. Uh, a lot of managers kind of find out that they're not such good managers and it's a, it's a reality check <laughs> and, it's a, and it's not fun. So, so, so you don't get to walk up the stairs and say, hello, Joe, hey, Bob, hey, this, hey, that, right? Um, so it's up to the manager to proactively um, every day or one, every, every few days to proactively go and say, hey, Joe, hey, Bob, hey, George, How's it going? This is, this, is, this is an important experience. In theory, most of uh, technology companies today function in some kind of form of agile, where they have, a, where they have a, uh, meetings in the beginning of the, uh, of the week, planning their entire uh, strategy or every two weeks. Part of these meetings should start being more social and more intimate. Hey, how, how was the weekend? How are things going on? You get to understand the employee's mental health a lot better when you start getting on a more social, um, on a social level with them. You, you don't get to know anything about the employee if you talk always business. So, you, so part of the way that I evaluate my management team is do they know their, their employees' kids' names, the pets, do they, what do they know about them? I need them to understand the people that work under them on a more intimate level. I'm personally very close with my management team. I consider all of them to be my friends. We hang out, have drinks, which is also part of the component. Zoom doesn't stop you from being social. The, 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 trying to replicate the entire happy hour experience with, with uh, 30 people on Zoom, everybody's chit-chatting. You know, I tried to do that for, I tried to do that for a long time. Um, did not work very well for me, but now I'm more focused on having more intimate time with each employee. We actually have this app called Donut that forces you on Slack to meet with a random person in the company and to get more intimate and to get to know them. And every person through the cycle, uh, through the cycle eventually gets, gets to meet me on a personal level. And I try to be as personal and as intimate as possible to build that trust. Being intimate is the key. No, 100%. And, and now more than ever, as we work with leaders, and I do things with, within our own team and coach our own leaders and work on the consulting side, the, the, the focus of these conversations and these interactions really needs to start now more than ever with the personal life. Yes. How are things going at home? How's it going, you know, with remote learning for, for your kid? How is this? How is that? And, and really connecting and being a place for somebody to be able to vent, to get some frustrations off, to talk about successes, to talk about the good things, right? To understand that some of the things they're feeling, they're not alone in, that helps a lot. And, and to really have that connection. And then after you've done that and been very intentional about that, 
stepping into the business side. So what you're saying and describing from a remote side, and you kind of said this earlier, it's like you're just transitioning between that in person to doing the same thing while people are, are working remotely. Could, could you walk us through, you know, I'm not familiar with the donut app or Slack. And so, you know, our listeners may or may not be, but could you take us just really quickly those through those two apps and what they do and how they help with that workplace experience and keep people connected and engaged? So this is, this is the tools. So we use actually, uh, we use four tools. We use three tools and a bunch of plugins on it. We use Slack, Zoom, and a project management software called Basecamp. Basecamp is the, is a project management software, very, very focused on, on being, being agile and being non-distracting. Actually, the company that own Basecamp are fully remote themselves. So they created all bunch of apps and plugins to make sure that you have a non-distracting environment. So when you do agile, often you have a 15 minute, a 15 minutes uh, meeting every day. And I find that in, especially in an asynchronous environment where everybody's different time zones and everything, it's very distracting. So actually, I love it much better that my project management software lets people, whenever they're in non-destructive mode, whenever they finish their little project to write their goals of the day, at the end of the day, to write what they accomplished. And that's how you see that their day has been accomplished. You're in, control, you're in full control. In the beginning of the day, you type in what you're going to do. At the end of the day, you type what you accomplished. I don't need to bug you. I don't need to distract you. So conversations after that become happy conversations about, hey, how's, how's your baby doing? And what is your favorite drink? Um, after that, we, so in, in a more uh, real-time discussion, we use a tool called Slack. Slack is like any other uh, messenger software out there, like Skype, uh, like uh, 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 they're all closed down pretty much. There's no more <laughs> the ICQ and the <laughs> America Online and the uh, MSN Messenger. They're very But Skype has been used, before Slack existed, we use Skype a lot. And it is the real-time discussion. Hey, Joe, what's going on? How's it going today? And and Joe responds whenever he wants instead of me me distracting that uh, that person. We actually tell people when you're busy, put it in a way so it doesn't do the clink, 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 clink. It's all about getting non-distracting environment. Slack is just the easiest tool for it. Let's you gr- put make groups. It gives you a opportunity, easy opportunity to to uh, create to uh, transfer files, to share, um, and most important, this incredible plugins like Donut. Donut um, goes takes any random member of our community of our team and and. and connect them to another person and says, this week you get to hang out with this person for 15 minutes. And even the most introverts are kind of forced to have a conversation to, to get to know their fellow teammates. Now the other amazing plugin that is out there, and I'm sure that you're familiar with Zoom because this is the tool that we're using right now, but the, the amazing, uh, plugin of Slack is that I can immediately go and type in slash Zoom and within 10 seconds everybody pop up on Zoom. And this is this is the experience. This is it. 
it takes longer to walk to somebody's cubicle, especially if you're, you're a bigger company and you have to go to another floor. I, I was actually having this conversation with my accountant about six months ago. And it's like saying, how do you do this? How do you work on Zoom? It's like, how do you walk five minutes to the next floor to, the next floor to talk to somebody? This is the most distracting thing. Even if I would be in a physical office, I would type in, hey, dude, are, are, you, are you free for me to go, walk all the way down to talk to you? But they actually spend all the way down to go to, to, to the second floor. This is a big accounting firm. And then the person said, I'm sorry, I'm busy. And they go all the way back and they think they're productive. <laughs> and those accountants charge us by the hour. <laughs> yeah, productivity is a, a major issue. It's, it's incredible to think about the technology out there. So with Slack, there's these plugins, these different things. I think it's so cool, especially depending on the size of your company to be able to have the plug-in donut to say, okay, like this is the time you have set aside or however that works, but it puts you with different people so you get to know different people. And you know what's funny? Like I hear people talking about, oh, I'm tired of video conferences. I'm tired of the, the internet, all these things. Like if, if that's what people are saying, to me they're not doing it right because the connection that you and I have from mm -hmm. I don't know how many miles it is from the Chicago area to Montreal, but it's a long ways. It's a, it's a, it's a two hour flight, two hour flight. Yes. All right. So how long <laughs> is that in walking? So no, but, uh, the, but we would not be able to have this conversation. We would not be able to develop this friendship. We would have never met without this incredible platform and many others. And while it's not quite the same as, you know, walking in and shaking somebody's hand, which we're not supposed to do anyway, I can feel the incredible energy that you're bringing. You can feel the energy that I'm bringing. It's a very good connection. And I think what's happening within companies is that they're using Zoom and Teams and these other different things to be lazy. And they're bringing people in to hour, two-hour meetings on this platform. Nobody's engaged. Nobody's really involved in these conversations. And people are getting sick and tired of it because they're not having the one-on-one -on -one experience, that intimate experience that you're talking about where there's back and forth. They're not having a, a meaningful meeting that's got four or five people in it, just the people that should be, and having the meeting ran so their voices are heard, so they're making a meaningful contribution to solving a problem or making a difference, right? That's the problem, and that's the experiences people are having, and that's where people are getting it wrong. Look, I, I said it in the beginning. There is a lot of things that happen wrong in the office. Not all offices. You know, I have a, when I go to some of those conferences that talk about remote, some of those guys are acting like everything that people do in the office is wrong. They're, they're such evangelists. It, it, it crosses the line. I think that this, there is no way that people build beautiful multi-billion dollar companies by just doing everything wrong, right? At, at the same time, Going remote does expose you to a lot of weaknesses, to a lot of things that did not make sense because my rule is if you're an amazing manager in an office, you will be an amazing remote manager. Almost nothing will change. Just get the right technology, spend a few bucks, and you will have similar experience. It is, it is more... It is more the the management that was for the longest time depending on people just to do just to do the thing, just making sure that they come on time and live on time and typing on their keyboard, which more research have shown that it doesn't work because 
an average person in an eight-hour shift produces about 200, two hours and 53 minutes. Wow. Uh, this is the research. So, so you're not being productive in an office environment. You're, 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 you're being useless, but the, manager feel, the, the bad manager feels good about themselves because they made sure that everybody is coming on time and typing on the keyboard. I mean, everybody should be reading the book of the goal, right? It's surprisingly completely relevant to remote and so re relevant. It is a, it's this fun book to read because it's, 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 people read it in MBA, but it's written as, as a story, uh, as, as a fictional story. But, but at the end of the day, it is about a guy that, that was working, building his factory, and taking pride on the efficiencies, as he calls it. He calls it efficiencies. What does efficiency mean? Keeping everybody busy. And then he got this consultant that helped him, and, and he was not making money, and he was about to get fired because the factory uh, really sucked. And uh, the consult he had a buddy consultant uh, that helped him to re figure things out and focus on bottlenecks, and he realized that he was producing four times more, and m many of his people were not even busy. This is an MBA book, been taught 20, 20 years ago, but people still don't get it. And in remote, you have to get it. This is a requirement. Well, it is. We already talked about, you know, if somebody's only getting, you know, two hours and 53 minutes of work done within an eight-hour day, if, if they're focused, if the goals are aligned, if the expectations are clear, yeah. that two hours and 53 minutes, if they're getting that same amount of time at home, is so much more efficient, so much more productivity, because a lot of the things about the office space, while we do like that as we get used to it, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things that suck time. What, how do you, so one of the things I'm really curious about, Sharon, is mm -hmm. how do you create the, the culture, right? Like, like I get the communication, the proactiveness of that. Like a lot of times, you come into a place, you come into a team, and you're just exposed to things that create positive energy, that create the mind in, in motivation and present you in a space for innovation. So as you create a remote work culture, what are some of the key components of that? So I think that I touched a little bit here and there in our discussion about culture, but before you visit culture, you actually need to understand what is culture. I mean, this is a, this is a, a favorite buzzword for many people. Everybody mentioning it. When, when people think about culture, they think about Google, people hanging out on beanie bags, having happy hour playing ping pong, and somehow everybody's so productive. And that, that's what people see as, as culture. And everybody says, oh, I, I, I want that. I want that uh, this this thing that that Google makes culture and and I have a lot of criticism actually towards Google because Google tends to uproot people from their own community to and force them to move in order to fit in this uh, in this uh, supposedly amazing culture they're creating in the office. Not supposed. It's not. It's not fair. Great culture, but detaching people from their own cities for that is is not so great. But people are actually not defining culture properly in order to understand what is it that they're trying to achieve. And I've created a definition. It's actually written in the book, but uh, I'm happy to share it. Um, 
<laughs> that I, I'm a much simpler definition of, of, of culture. It might not be the precise definition. It might not be um, the textbook definition, but, but I read all the textbook definitions. They make no sense. They're too complicated. And this is the most, um, this is the, the most practical definitions that you can actually implement because it actually creates a, a goal. The, my definition of culture is activities and processes uh, or whatever you implement in order to create connection. Connection to your company and connection to each other and even, even connection to the clients. So in order to create culture, you do not need to make the biggest party in the world. That, that, that makes your ego as the boss uh, spect blown out of proportion, but it does not necessarily create culture. And, and when I started focusing on culture about five years ago, my mission was let's make a big Zoom party. Everybody needs to hold the drink in their hands. I don't promote alcoholism, so you can have a coffee and talk about it and hang out. And pretty much it was a discussion between me and the few managers and everybody's like, hey, 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 hey. right? And we always ask, do we mute? Do we unmute? Is it too distracting? And when I understood that the idea is really to create connection. That gave me a, that gave me that gave me an advantage to understand that that I don't care what is it that I'm implementing as long as people feel more connected. So that's when we that's when we discovered donut. People feel a lot more connected when they get a more intimate on one on one. Um, we do have the happy hours um, once in six months now. So every once in a while, it's okay. It's okay to have a little bit of a, a, a Christmas party. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping one day to have a big Christmas party, although our, my team is so distributed, it's a little complicated, but this is in the works also. Um, so having a drink with, with a few members of the team shooting the shit, that, that is great. Making sure that the mental health of everyone is good. Get to know them on a personal level. Um, we we add video games where we play together. We have the most amazing Slack channel where we talk about food and we talk about uh, uh, about uh, our favorite movies. So there's always a, a balance that needs to be kept. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about culture, connection. You know, I think about culture. It's like how we do things around here. What do we value? Uh, what are the expectations? What kind of energy are we bringing? Are we valuing, you know, innovation, excellence? Mm -hmm. um, and when I think about some things you're talking about, and I think about, you know, some of these environments that, that people envision with culture, like beanbags and pool tables and video games, that has to do more with morale and having high levels of morale within places. And that can generate that, but high level morale doesn't turn into high performance. And so one of the things we focus on is what you're alluding to and talking about here are high levels of employee engagement, the extent to which people are connected to the organization, feel valued, and are willing to give passionate discretionary effort. And this connection you talk about is what drives this employee engagement. Um, and it's what drives and creates ownership. And connection to each other. 
right? This is important. The, the key component here, a, a connection to connection to the company creates a company loyalty and a company passion for the product, but connection to each other creates better teamwork. And that's huge. That is even more important than the connection to the company. When you create the way you generate real teamwork, which in my book, it is equates to productivity and equates to the bottom line, right? Is about people to people. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Connection in, in all regards, connection to each other, connection with the, the end user, the customer, connection and in, into the organization and, and how that fits their mission and purpose is such a big deal. And it sounds like you've really figured out how to do that and, and how to do that very well remotely. I mean, you're talking about team members uh, from, from Europe. You're talking about team members from Latin America, team members from the United States, from Canada, a lot of different cultures coming in, a very diverse group of people, which the most talented people are really, really drawn to because, again, you're adding layers of experience. Um, and then when you focus on that culture, the key point, like you said, being connection is, wow, just, just fantastic. It's what, it's what we all as human beings need, right? Yeah. So, so what am I missing? What have I not asked about that are really important components of, of remote working, of going remotely? Um, a place is getting comfortable with, with, with this, what is a newer phenomenon for general businesses, especially in our region in the United States. So there's one thing that, that I realized that um, it was actually was uh, for the first question. I don't remember the question, but I do remember that, I, that there was another point that I wanted to add to, to that question is the transition from, from office to the transition to from office to remote or even bigger question is uh, how do you decide if you want to, if you want to go to the office back and, and that is really based on your attitude. If after all the research that shows that remote people are more productive, are happier, are more independent and you read the research and you know that this information exists and you see that, that, having access to a much bigger pool of talent because international access gives you this advantage to find better people and faster. And of course, countries where the cost of living is much lower and all these benefits that come with remote where you're going to get more production, you're going to be more successful. And as a boss, this still doesn't appeal to you. It's still always the question of like, how do I deal with this remote, this evil remote? You should go back. You're gonna screw it up, right? Because you're just you're just not getting it. If you got a chance a few months to go on COVID and just didn't make sense to you at all, you didn't see you didn't see the light. It's not for you. <laughs> I really feel it should be for everybody. But but that I I've experienced so many times where I would go to a conference. I was in a trade show. I would have maybe have a booth, and I would sell it to. Uh, this my, the, the, my product, my service of recruitment of remote people to to a CEO or president of the company, and then the president. This is awesome! I'm so excited. Let me send you my CTO so we can talk business. And you you see the CTO is so reluctant because all that that person knows is people coming to the office. To be honest, it's probably he needs it for his social experience. He needs it for his ego, but that's what he knows. And he says, oh, really? And 
you mean that they were never going to come to the office or or and, and every time that this is the situation ends up being a failure it, 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 the relationship ends within a month or two or we don't even close because the 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 person is so reluctant to uh, it wants to prove that it doesn't work so so, so remote learning is not for micromanagers Remote, remote working is not for control freaks and micromanagers and people that have, I, to have their thumb on no, I No, it's not what I'm saying. You can be a micromanager. You can pop up anytime on Zoom. You can tell people, I want to see if you're a micromanager, which I don't recommend it, but you can be, if you've been a successful micromanager and that's what you do, you can tell, I want to see your Slack icon at nine o'clock in the morning, green. I want to see at five. I want you to give me a report. I pop up anytime. You better be there. I'm going to ask you a question. You can do exactly what you do in the office. Well, it's you, not, you can, but I, but I would think that, that people who have those kinds of management styles would be the ones that struggle. They're with, reluctant, but it, doesn't, but it doesn't stop them from being successful if that made them successful in the first place. Yeah. I don't want to judge. People have been – Steve Jobs has been a micromanager. I, as, I, I run a successful company. I cannot judge the master, the master CEO as much as it was not a very nice CEO from what I understand. But I cannot judge people for being that. I am saying is that if your attitude is wrong for remote, if you think that you're really losing, you shouldn't be there. And, you, and you're right, Danny, that, that the chances are if you're a micromanager, you probably will be more opposed to it than the free spirit, liberal kind of <laughs> happy well, duppy kind of manager. People, people who, it, it would seem to me, Sharon, that people who trust their team, people who empower their team, people who give their team the tools and the coaching and direction they need and then get out of their way are, will have a much easier time transitioning to an environment like this than people who operate on power and control, and even though you can put these systems in and just, just an observation. But, but those types of leadership styles don't, don't tie in well to taking care of people's mental health. They don't tie in well to creating connection. They exactly. They tie in well to creating high levels of employee engagement or ownership. Um, and you've really given us a lot of tools today to – how do you still create those positive aspects of the work experience, of work culture, of, mm -hmm. of high performance through, through your experience? Yeah. And I just think that remote learning is going to be more and more and more. And I think that we're going to start seeing more people demand being able to work remotely, at least partially, and getting our comfort with it. And I think a lot of companies have shifted now and become more familiar with it because of COVID. And because I have, I thought that the timing of your, your book released today, you know, Surviving Remote Work, the podcast is being recorded on November the 17th, uh, 2000, is just so timely, especially in the United States where things are starting to, to close down more and more. And I don't know the status right now in Montreal. So you've, you've added so much. What, what call to action do you want to leave uh, for leaders or for companies as it relates to remote work or their consideration of remote work, what do you want to leave the listener with to think about as they walk away from this conversation? The most important thing at the end of the day, just see if you're into this, right? Read the research, um, read my book, um, Surviving Remote Work, which is, which is a bestseller book uh, right now on Amazon. Um, just 
read the book, see if, if it resonates with you, see if it makes sense. And if it is, start implementing the entire remote experience in, in a positive manner with the, with the right attitude that you are not just doing it because you have to, you're doing it because you are improving productivity. You are um, improving um, your employees' uh, happiness and independence. Um, get into this with the right mentality. And this might be not just something that you're being forced into, but something probably the best decision that you ever made for your business, or if you're just a remote worker, one of the best decisions that you made for your lifestyle. And of course, you can hit me up. Um, you can hit me up directly on my email if there's any questions. It's sharonadistantjob.com. Comment, read our uh, uh, our blog. It's distantjob.com. I'm going to have a lot of discussions uh, on my vlog, um, which is a think remote, a distant, uh, also distant job. And that's all, that's all I can ask people to do. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Sharon. And what we'll do in the podcast description is we'll have – you know, Sharon's email, we'll have those links. Um, you know, if, if you're listening to the podcast and, and looking on the date that it was dropped, depending on when you listen to it, because some people listen to it right away. Some people will discover our podcast in six months. Um, on LinkedIn during that time frame, I'll be really providing a lot more information in depth about this remote working concept, the things that we've covered about Sharon and his company, Distant Job. So there'd be a lot of different ways to learn more about, connect with Sharon. Uh, he is an expert in this field. As, as we've been recording this podcast, he's gotten word that the book is a number one bestseller. He's a number one best-selling author through Amazon, Sharon. Yeah, baby. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I, it was really a pleasure, Danny. It was really fun. Thank you so much. So as we wrap up and include and talk about it, so for leaders out there who are considering transitioning to remote work, first and foremost, we got to have the right tools. We got to have the quality internet. We've got to have the right headsets, microphones, cameras. We got to make sure that the tools your team members need they have in addition to that. Do they need printers? Do they need scanners? We've got to set them up for success. The second thing, especially with remote work, that Sharon talked about is so passionate about we align on this is the mental health side. We've got to take care of the mental health of our team members, especially now during COVID times when people are so disconnected anyway, work is a place they find connection. We got to make sure to continue to drive that and take care of them on, on the, in thinking about that, there's different ways to stay connected. And Sharon talked about different apps that are available that they're using. We'll be sharing some of that stuff through our LinkedIn feeds, um, you can contact Sharon. He'll get more information. Again, he's got information in the description below. And culture. We can't forget about culture. Just because we're not all together walking into the same building, culture is important. And, and Sharon defines culture really as connection. How do we connect? And connecting on a multifaceted way. Again, congratulations to Sharon, number one best-selling author from Amazon, surviving remote work. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for sharing this time with us today. If you found this episode helpful, Please consider subscribing so you never miss another episode. Give us a rating, leave a review, share it with your network. This truly helps us help more people, which this is all about. If you go to our website and want to subscribe to our new mailing list, you can do that. We promise not to overwhelm your inbox. There's a direct link in the podcast description. And remember, always be committed to excellence.